Wednesday, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of the Bowfinger Minute podcast. Each week, Movies by Minute hosts Ethan McKinley and Jim O'Kane examine the 1999 Frank Oz-directed comedy, <gasps> Bowfinger. One minute of screen time per episode. Hello, everyone. I'm back with a better intro this time because I was prepared and I actually uh, blocked out and wrote out the, the intro properly. And I've done the outro, Jim, so as not to let you down. And here we are with Jim. The lovely Jim O'Kane, the the captain of this ship and my second in command. Thank you for having me on again, Jim. I'm happy to be back. I'm I'm happy. I'm happy you're. I'm happy you came back. So it's uh, we're in a we're we're on hump day here. uh, Halfway halfway through the the week already. Gosh, and uh, we're at the uh, we're we're still in this major kissing scene between uh, Slater and Daisy, which takes up most. (laughs) <laughs> yeah, moments. Yeah, <laughs> uh, lots of lots of uh, cutting back and forth. Uh, the uh, editor must have had a field day with this. And I, I keep wondering how many takes this was, and, uh, and beginning with the kiss and ending with, uh, uh, I guess, get, going out for a crew casting, <laughs> which uh, which uh, it brings up one of my one of my favorite parts of of any editing scene: the classic Gilligan cut. Oh, what's that? Oh, the uh, Gilligan cut is known as when you say one thing and you cut to something that's the punchline oh okay so uh we have we have that you're gonna get the cast and crew and then yes he's at the border crossing yeah yes yes yes. the uh the best the best damn crew money can money can buy (laughs) (laughs) or we can we can afford which i can imagine now in these overly sensitive times you couldn't have this scene in anymore could you you couldn't have anything to do with the border anything to do with a mexican person or anything like that at all which is a shame because it <laughs> it is funny, it's especially the zany Steve Martin Kermit the Frog arms when he's trying to get them into the into the back of the van. Yes, I've it's... seen that in so many movies. Like that's the Steve Martin zany Kermit the Frog arms move. <laughs> and, and based on you know, it, it, this is uh, Frank Oz's chance to get cameos exactly. from some famous uh, Mexican directors. <laughs> oh, is that who they the are? Yeah, okay. yeah, wow. yeah. So it's a. Uh... Uh, interesting, interesting cameos dropping in there. There's screenwriters and uh, and uh, producers, directors that uh, decided to be in the movie. They don't have many speaking roles till later on, but uh, it's uh, what kind of films would these guys be, would have been making? Are they like the I, Santo movies from the seventies and the eighties or the sixties? Maybe didn't dive in that that far, but yeah, they they're, they're they're basically you know run of the mill. They they do TV shows, novellas, um, and the standard películas. 
So, uh, but yeah, I mean, they're all like they're known to Frank Oz and just yeah. uh, showed up say, to be what, a cinephile. Frank Oz knows about them. Wonder how he knows yeah. them. <laughs> what do they call the soap operas over there? You, I think you was it called like a it's not the pantomime or something or the well, they're no novel novellas. They're the novellas. Okay. Yeah. Okay. And uh, it's uh, it, uh, like it, well, you know, it's it's on uh, English English speaking. Uh, channels have we have hallmark channel so they just have it as, okay as a, another feature standard standard plots easy to understand the bad guy the good guy uh yeah. the, the love that was meant to be and how yeah. can how can this woman ever find happiness um <laughs> but my, my favorite my favorite part of this whole minute is uh the dog betsy in the uh, perfectly staged in the background they found that this dog was really good at laying on her back and and wiggling her feet up in the air so she <laughs> uh, she has a rather prominent uh place over steve martin's shoulder just uh sticking her leg <laughs> i have i have a corgi that does the same thing so it's it's i oh, feel yeah, very very familiar yeah yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow well, we we are back. We are back in this in this house, and um, I think Ethan, you said that there, this has a history to it. This particular it does, house. but I got the wrong house. Ah, so, okay. but basically, in the Kit, you may have covered it already, but maybe basically, Kit Ramsey's house. You can come back to this. Uh, it's the same residence depicted as Bruce Wayne Manor in the 1966 Batman TV series, but that's the Kit Ramsey mansion. That's Kit, Kit house. Ramsey's house. Yes, yeah. that's that indeed is is when, when you see everyone it, for a future episode of a when you see it when you see it turn up, you're like, oh yeah, that's that's Bruce Wayne's house, it's <laughs> Stately Wayne Manor. Now, uh, where is that? Because are, are all these things within like a stone's throw of each other? Because the the, I, the road I, the Batmobile tears out of is that anywhere near the kind of Bat the no, Future Tunnel? Or am I wrong? No, well, no. actually, that one that you're 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 right on that. The Bat Batmobile Tunnel that's in the '66 show yeah. is uh, the bottom of Bronson Canyon, which is it was is within Griffith Park, and right. of course, uh, that's the same as the uh, Back to the Future Tunnel, which is yeah. uh, it, it's a different tunnel, but uh, it's it's very close to uh, the the Back to the Future Tunnel, which is also the Toontown Tunnel. It is Robert Zemeckis yeah. again, isn't it? And also, right. so am I right in thinking if you went above the tunnel, that's where the is that how you get to the observatory? I never went that's... there. I lived in LA so many times. How did that happen? I... Yeah. <laughs> okay. Well, ne see. well, next time after your Bollywood uh, uh, triumph, when you head back to I Hollywood, return. walking around and... naked, hoping to be accosted by punks and steal their clothes <laughs> like the Terminator. Yeah, closing the circle go. on my podcast. There you go. Or, I yeah. do a live show from being mugged. There we go. Or, or reverse mugging. Just give me your clothes. Clothes, give them to me. <laughs> I probably die of laughter than anything else. Forget punching the hearts up. Wow. Uh, uh, yeah, this is in, I mean, it, they're all relatively close. I mean, we're not yeah. too far in Southeast Hollywood. We're not too far from uh, Griffith Park. Of course, Griffith, Griffith Park in LA is just below the Hollywood sign. Right. So uh, uh, really a very compact area. Mm. to uh to see all these things so you could probably do in one day tour you could probably do all these and see many of the scenes from uh, exactly from my movie the rocketeer so i think i was gonna say i think if you carry on if you're driving towards hollywood sign against the the greek theater on the way there is the griswold house i think and i think somewhere yes. around there is the roger murtar house some i think there's also a griswold house in one of the one of them but uh yeah I, was it the home alone house or some i think Home Alone, so I think, Home is Alone. in Home Alone's in Chicago, I think. It's okay, in, yeah. So it's the Griswold's house, and also the Roger Murtar LA home is around there somewhere. But you are right; it's all within like uh, you know two or three miles of each other. It's very strange, but yeah. Uh, there's a whole yeah. there's a whole bunch of I, my favorite part of that that part of LA is uh, as you're if you try to drive up the hill toward the Hollywood sign, uh, 
up from uh, like like Hollywood Boulevard, uh, you head past that Methodist church that's there, and you make kind of a dogleg right into the into the neighborhood. Um, before you get to the Greek Theater, there's a whole bunch of roads heading up the hill, and every one of them has a giant sign saying, "This road does not go to the Hollywood sign." <laughs> they probably had enough tourists driving it by making U-turns in their little cul-de-sacs. Well, that's what happened to me, wasn't it? Who was that actor now? Oh, Chris Murphy. I was walking around. I went looking for the sign. I was trapped in the hills there because it's all like dead ends, cul-de-sacs and things. And this guy was like, hey, fella, what are you doing? This guy came out of his fancy house and I explained who I was. I went, I think because I'm a movie psycho, I, I recognized this guy. I went, are you in the abyss? He went, yeah, I was one of the Navy SEALs in the abyss. <laughs> uh, and we got talking. He told me about like, James Cameron, what it's like to work with him and stuff. But uh, he retired from acting, was in real estate, I think. But yeah, we got talking. And then he kind of invited me back for like dinner. And, oh, I'll try and meet some of my friends. You're an actor. But I, I had to leave, so I never followed up and went back, sadly. But, yeah. yeah, he was great. But he was like, what are you doing in the streets? And why are you English? What are you looking for? <laughs> Chris Murphy, yeah, there he is. Uh, One of the wow. Navy SEALs. <laughs> the, uh, yeah, it, that's, that's the uh, same neighborhood where I, I think I've told the story before. Of, uh, I was mistake. I went to a breakfast with a friend of mine, mm. and uh, we wound up at this little place that's across the street from Ned Beatty's house. Right. And uh, these two women could not be dissuaded of the idea that I was James Cameron. Oh, and, I remember. Yeah. I think you told this maybe off air on two or three years ago after a show, I think. But <laughs> yeah, they could not be dissuaded. And my, my friend, my friend, Lori, uh, uh, she played right into it and was telling them, oh, yeah, she doesn't like to be recognized in public. I'm not, I'm not. So I wound up signing their men. I wound up signing their menus and writing, you know, you're kings of the world and. I'm sure to By this gym. day. So, you know, yeah. <laughs> yes, I'm Jim. Yeah. So yeah. <laughs> I wasn't lying. Yes, it's Jim. So uh, Jim yeah, or they, Cameron there, <laughs> <laughs> the Irish sci-fi director. I'm, I'm sure they uh, I'm sure they're still home saying, you know, we met Jim Cameron, but he didn't <laughs> didn't want to admit it. It's amazing. Ah, wow. Well, um, so we're we're in this in this big uh, this big scene of which <laughs> they get the part, which is good. Yeah. Yeah. They're they're both signed signed up for uh uh for this and uh apparently he, uh, uh bobby bowfinger got over the fact that uh, uh daisy was reading directly off the script not lifting her eyes for a moment she's apparently a very very good kisser so uh, <laughs> she's reading the script through his skull there but she's yeah. clinging on to him <laughs> <laughs> by the way where they actually click well we won't let's be uh, politically correct. When they're collecting the crew at the end of this scene, where is that? Do you know that? Is that like Vasquez Rocks? Or is that that's not LA? Is it Vasquez Rocks? We've seen so many movies like Masters of the Universe and that famous Star Trek Dawn episode. You know, I would I would say anywhere from, gosh, probably Downey. I mean, it's not too far. Those are the Santa Monica Mountains in the background, I believe. Right. So uh, they just is that probably... like Spawn Ranch and stuff. The Manson Murders. Is that that area or no? Not, no, I think no. this. I think this is south. I think this looks. Okay. This to me like it's south. They probably filmed down toward. I would say Downey. If this of course this was almost uh 25 years ago so it's yeah i mean this is all condos and uh yeah there's probably a giant jiffy, skyscraper development on it now <laughs> jiffy lubes <laughs> and a couple of uh panera breads you know so um but uh yeah that's not too not too difficult to get to there's still some places in in la that look kind of deserted but this mm. is a little bit way out and you know just just enough to get second unit crew um <laughs> I think the mountains changed when uh, when they're filming the the close up view at the very end. It looks like different hills to me, but I may be wrong. Mm. Um, it just looks like this didn't take them more than a day to shoot. No, um, but it is uh, a great 
the classic Gilligan smash cut to something, you know, something that's yeah. the opposite of whatever <laughs> they were saying. Um, well, it's that right angle turn with any joke, isn't it? It's going one direction. You take the audience in a different direction or a more outrageous direction. And yeah, there you are. But yeah, uh, yeah it's uh, the, the Gilligan cut. The Gilligan cut. The reason they call it that is from Gilligan's Island, because there would always be some scene with, oh, this, you know, Gilligan saying, I'm never, 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 ever going to do that. And the next thing you know, he's doing whatever <laughs> that was. So, um, but <laughs> it's just just a just a brilliant. And, you know, it's it's very obvious and very gosh very muppet showy but of course that's frank oz and he knows he understands how to talk to an audience and uh here's that here's that language that you know <laughs> that say, he knows the audience familiar with exactly uh, i was gonna say i've i've read so i could be wrong listeners but i've read that steve martin came up with the idea for bowfinger 13 or 14 years before the film was actually shot so that's around 86 so i imagine that's when they're shooting dirty rotten scoundrels right is that 86 87 dirty rotten scoundrels or yeah, 88? Think, yeah around there in the late right. 80s so maybe you propose the uh the uh, the the script maybe to Frank Oz, but he didn't write it properly or do a proper script until ten years later, so a couple of years before. Wow, yeah, and it, I mean there there are precedents. I know there were there were scenes with the, the famous um, I think it was a Russian a Russian movie that uh, Douglas Fairbanks was secretly squished into a movie while he was on vacation. Oh, really? And uh, yeah, and so <laughs> this. Um, I think it was a Russian director had gone out and uh, and filmed him. People probably covered this before earlier minutes, yeah. but um, but yeah, the idea that this is not, uh, you know, we're not there yet. But, uh, but I suppose it owes a lot to Ed Wood as well, doesn't it? Yeah, like, yeah. I like mean, it's... Bowfinger is a version of Ed Wood in a sense. This like, is he delusional? Is he a genius who never like you know had his day or anything, or is he just the resources he's not got? But yeah <laughs> yeah no it's um yeah you know it's it, it's I think this is pretty much how every um every you know young director got their start by shooting something that wasn't quite kosher um <laughs> i think about like john yeah, john singleton when he filmed no not john singleton who was um boys in the hood guy right no 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 yeah no but um the original uh, the original shaft gordon park what am i saying? gordon parks um when he filmed shaft right. and uh he was filming out in um it was the opening scene of, of Shaft, the, the original Shaft, 1971. Singleton did the 2000 version. But right. uh, uh, Parks, when he was shooting Shaft, he didn't have uh, he didn't have permits to film in Times Square. Right. But he did it anyway. <laughs> and the scenes where uh, uh, he has Richard Roundtree just kind of like walking across uh, Broadway and 7th Avenue, um, you know, just stopping cars and things and, and uh, ignoring them. That's just, <laughs> just, say, just told, yeah, just told, you know, told them on a walkie talkie, now, go ahead, and I'm, I'm, you know, rolling. So yeah, uh, I think there's a, there's a similar story actually with Larry Cohen. So I just saw the documentary King Cohen and he talks about Fred Williamson doing that. And they were just kind of like holding the camera and all this walking backwards through like, uh, is it Harlem? Probably Harlem when they were shooting Black Caesar. And the same thing, shooting from rooftops. There was like, I think Fred William gets shot in the film. They film that, and it's just watching the regular public reaction to it. So they're very similar story, and filmmaking star. Just get out there and quick film it before we get arrested or you know shut down by the city. I think I found that story you were talking about, Jim. This is a reportedly based on a real incident in 1927. A Russian filmmaker covertly shot footage of a vacationing Mary Pickford. Uh, and fashioning an entire film around the footage, creating the illusion that Pickford was actually in, starring in a Russian film. In reality, it was the 1927 film, uh, but 
I can't even see. I'll zoom in. Uh, Pastruliex or something. I'll get, I'll, I'll, it's in, oh God, I copy and pasted this. There we go. Postulov. There we go. That's the 1927 Russian film, not starring, but kind of starring Mary, Mary Pickford and Douglas Fairbanks. Douglas Fairbanks, her husband, yeah. And they that, participated what... in the film as a goodwill gesture towards the emerging Russian film industry. So there we go. You uh, are right, I, Jim. I think uh, another one of these, um, you know, filming when you're not supposed to be filming, uh, Schlesinger at the beginning, John Schlesinger doing Midnight Cowboy, uh, the opening scene with uh, Dustin Hoffman, where he's, yeah. you know, he's banging on the hood going, I'm walking here. That was, again, I think something that was shot when he wasn't supposed to be per, Filming, you know, permitted yeah. to do. Yeah, so it's... Uh, you get, well, I suppose what gives that film its kind of re realistic or, like, gritty edge, doesn't it? I think even maybe John Voight walking around, like, uh, downtown New York in the seedy parts and stuff, maybe that was done in the same fashion. Yeah. But, yeah, yeah, it's got a kind of gritty realism to it, that film, hasn't it? And even, even, if, even if it's not true, it tells well. That's what... <laughs> Yes, exactly. I keep thinking this is some, <laughs> some, sometimes it sounds like yeah, something that they want to tell, you know, when they want to have a story when they go on the Merv Griffin show or, uh, you know, they're on the Tonight Show. Oh, well, did you really do that? Yeah, I really did that. And that was really the way it worked. But, you know, it's, it's like you got to promote. That's, that's important. So, I agree. Um, it was, uh, it was tricky to, <clears throat> to get stuff done back then. I mean, of course, Nowadays, you could do stuff a lot more covertly. I mean, the, the size of oh, cameras yeah. is, you know, it's, you can't exactly uh, hide a Panavision camera, but you sure no. can hide uh, something you're filming on. I mean, a lot of people are filming on iPhones now. So, Well, I actually heard a couple of years ago, there was a, is it a film about drag queens in LA and they shot the entire film on iPhones. I mean, they put wow. probably see lenses on the back of the phone that you can get online and stuff, but they shot the entire film. I'll try and find a link, but uh, yeah, completely shot on iPhone. This is two or three years ago. So maybe iPhones 8, iPhone 8. Uh, but yeah, uh, a film completely shot on iPhone. I don't think it was done covertly because that was his big selling point. It was a big indie hit, I think. It was about drag queens in the LA scene and it was shot totally on phones. Yeah, I'm, That was the cook. I was quite surprised the last time I was at uh, CES in Las Vegas, the Consumer Electronics Show. They do a lot of, yeah, people do interviews and stuff and they're doing commercials and uh, you know professional interviews. And I'd say better than half of those being filmed. I mean, you had the old Betacam things, but... Uh, nowadays mostly you're seeing a giant tripod with this tiny little iphone on yep. top of it and people yep. say you know, go ahead and then they can shoot for hours that <laughs> you know that'll load it up on that on that camera you don't have to swap out film or, or change out chips and things but it does the job and it gives you the the resolution that you want yeah yeah wow now is, uh, is the wait. gopro still a thing i mean do they still, yeah, I, th yeah i think so i mean you I think they seen... utilize less in filmmaking like you said i think people use more phones now and stuff and because they think the resolution is so good my phone shoots in like 4k i think 60 frames a second that's an iphone 11 so it's an old one at this point ish yeah so yeah i think maybe they, they, they will eclipse those things it is very strange though how small the technology is getting and the accessibility to you know i guess uh, young filmmakers but then again that said uh the creativity has dropped off, I think, with that, I guess, or the, the merit, meritocratic thing is like, because it's be decentralized, you get less talented people making stuff and putting it out there. I don't know. That's the, we were discussing that the other day with my friend Hainsley. Yeah, it's, it's weird. And so much is, um, I mean, they, they figured they'll fix it in post. So yeah, the film is a, a lot, uh, you know, bad lighting, bad sound. Um, I've noticed a decrease in sound quality lately. Yeah. It's not, the, the sound is kind of uh, an afterthought. Which is, yeah. a, is a shame because sometimes you have great images coupled with really lousy, lousy sound. Well, there's a split, isn't there, in philosophic, the, philosoph the, the philosophy of filmmakers, like Spielberg and Tarantino only ever shoot on film. 
film is is the thing and that you get Roger Deakins who did like Gold Knight, not Gold Knight, uh, Skyfall and things and No Country for Old Men, Watch with the Coens. He prefers digital because he says, oh, you can fix anything in post, but that's like this verboten thing for a lot of cinematographers or directors. So it's that kind of philosophical split, I think. But like you said, I think people, oh, don't worry about that take. We'll fix it in post. Like you said, that might be, have a, a knock on effect. Maybe not Roger Deakins because he, he's probably looked like a genius. But for, I think for a lot of people, that attitude, like you said, the quality does drop in all, all aspects of film, I think. So, yeah, you're right. Shoot fast and quick, and it doesn't matter if you blow a take or this or that, we can fix it. But I think because of that, maybe, uh, you know, there's a drop-off. Well, you, you must you must have seen in in your own career how, how much the technology has changed and what they want to oh, do yeah. from you. Like you were saying, you were saying yeah. yesterday about the difference between doing an audition before and now yeah. they just want you to mail it in and you can, yeah. you know. Oh, that well, that saved me in many ways because then you can, because I'm, I'm from doing podcasts really and knowing you, uh, how to get the sound right, to light things properly. To And again, like you said, you get not pay for the audition, but it does cover all your expenses. When when they actually do want to see you, half the battle is won. So instead of going like 100 people up for an audition, they've selected the 20 tapes they like, and then you're up against 20 people as opposed to 100 in a panic to go into a room, do, do it in a bang. So yeah, I think in that sense, uh, yeah, that's been my savior really in the last three or four years, just being able to do self-tapes and winning half the battle winning the vote to get down to a very small focused group of people that they're seeing and then you know it's much easier i think in a much uh, better way because they're getting what they want as well they've decided already and then they're going right the, the pick of the bunch boom so yeah yeah the, the cost of entry too i think has has decreased remarkably i mean you yeah. you, you used to have to well, pay that, somebody that's, for that's the other double that that's the double-edged sword isn't it like i said that's why i think quality is dropping because now anyone can apply that's why wages have gone down a commercial that you would have been paid like let's say twenty thousand dollars for 10 years ago you know get two if you're lucky because anyone like you said instagram anyone can be famous da, da, da. so yeah it's kind of driven the wages down so that's the only pain I've got more success, but the money is less. <laughs> yeah, no, you, you, you don't. You don't have to pay someone else for headshots. You can do them yourself, and <laughs> you know, in your yeah. in your closet. Um, I just I just bought. Um, I take pictures of my uh, my grandkids and things, and uh, yeah. so I have a rather oversized Canon camera that I enjoy, and it does. I mean, mm. it probably does everything my phone does, but uh, has a has a nicer lens. But you can, you know, I'm. I, I just bought a lighting rig that was on sale at Amazon for $20 and it was three LEDs with a bunch of gels yeah. and you can, you can set them for any different temperature. You can go 3,200 to 5,400. So you yeah. can build this whole, you know, three point lighting and everything in your home for under, you know, $60. Yeah. yeah. And, uh, you know, it just, it's, it's amazing when I, when I first got into the, the business, it was you had to consider how much it was going to cost you to uh, develop 50 feet of 16 millimeter film. Yeah. And you had to make sure the take was right, because if you were going to blow a take, you were going to waste film. But now yeah. you can just yeah, wipe that one and we'll just yeah. redo it. Yeah. Um, There's a slight contingency against that kind of thing you said about like you can do your own headshots because certain agents will only kind of if you if, will sign you up, but you have to go to one of our two or three photographers michael shelford people like that alan howard and things so they kind of if you're in with an agent as a photographer you're kind of protected but then again i'm not sure how long that will last like you said as things become decentralized the technology gets better i mean some of these filters you get on instagram now I, what did i see the other day they did uh might have been an indiana jones trailer but they put young harrison ford in all of it or something like that all these like uh you know deep fakes and head swaps and things yeah 
Yeah, like the original solo, not the original solo. How dare you, Ethan? The 2018 solo movie. They put Harrison Ford's head on uh, Aaron Aldenreich. You think, wow. Yeah, so it's yeah, very strange. It's. I think it's going to become the day. The day is coming rapidly where, where it used to be an unusual thing, like having a Fred Astaire in a vacuum cleaner commercial, where you're going to have... <laughs> You're going to have movies populated by dead actors. Yeah. Or and... can you trust anything on the news at that point as well? Is that Joe Biden or Trump saying that? Or is that deep fake? Yeah. Yeah. Ex- <laughs> have we started exactly. a war in Russia by some kid who's got like a, <laughs> a plug in on his laptop in Scandinavia? <laughs> wow. And yeah, it's, it's just going to make, I mean, it's going to open up the possibilities for doing things that you never would have expected. I mean, you could have Humphrey Bogart in a, in a, in a Star Wars movie, but <laughs> Yeah, you know, who who knows? And, and you're limited only by your imagination of where it can go. Um, and it, it's funny. This is, I mean, there will be more bow fingers in the world. Oh yeah, <laughs> I think just people trying to come up with something that's going to be the next big thing. Well, you've got a lighting rig now, Jim. You've got an SLR. You've got phones. Come yeah, on now. Yeah, no, it's gonna just build my IMAX uh, <laughs> uh, career. Um, the, By the way, is that Jamie Kennedy in the right hand? Sorry, at the very end of the clip when you got yeah that, yeah he's okay. he's waving people in all right yeah so he's I in think. the back of the van yeah there, I didn't see any kind of like uh, lineage in the editing to go oh he was in the scene previously at the house now he's in the van I was like, oh. yeah yeah he's the because um, Slater is wearing the black shirt so I don't think he had time to change <laughs> and uh, they're they're all wearing their yeah I think they're all wearing their A costumes. Yeah, um, he's fresh off Scream, isn't he? I think that's really yeah. kind of hot. Yeah, yeah, and that's and he his career, you know, only went up from there, and now he's, gosh, major internet celebrity. With he's uh, a stand up as well. I think he became a stand up in the early or mid two thousands, I believe, after the Jamie Kennedy experience. Jamie, yeah, that that yeah, it, it's uh very you know it's he he played this he played social media very well. He he got yeah, in yeah. at the right time. Um, <laughs> why, why are we like that? <laughs> I I don't understand this um but yeah it's just uh it's a great this, this is a great minute there's lots of lots of things going on when nothing's going on um if anything it's got these steve steve martin windmill arms come at the frog <laughs> yeah <laughs> i love that he does it in the jerk as well i think and i think i mean he's <laughs> he's in was it three amigos and he goes hey hey yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. and uh, um I think I, I'm not sure. I have to. I, ha, I haven't examined this, but I think in the Three Amigos they use the same song, which is uh, oh, of course I forgot the name of it. It's uh, uh, something Polios. It's it basically it's the donkey. Oh, Barrow It's El Barrow Polios. That okay. that's that that's that mariachi music. <laughs> which depending on how it's spelled, and I'm not sure they nobody says what the name is here, and I've seen it spelled two different ways on the internet. It's either the donkey moth or the um, uh, polio is also, now I've forgotten what it was. I'll have, please, please talk over me while I look this up. Um, I was gonna say, is that Harold Ramis or is it, is that Harold Ramis film? Is it uh, Three Amigos? Let me Google it listeners. Well, uh, uh, Three Amigos, while well, lovely Jim here finds the correct thing he's looking for. Here we go, right, Three Amigos four down on the on this list here we go who's the director of the three amigos chopstick I mean, that's john yeah. landis of course my god how did i not know that yes yes immediately yeah, yeah. if not immediately after uh into the night yes um, yes 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 P- polilos also it's if it's polilos right it's moth if it's palilos it's chopsticks so it's either <laughs> uh the donkey chopsticks or the donkey moth and I don't know. I don't know what the background is. I, I haven't been able to find it enough online. So maybe someone of our 
Spanish-speaking uh, listeners can chime in and let us know what that what the what that song's name is. It a traditional song? I haven't been able to find out much about it. Oh wow! Um, okay, but uh, yeah, it's great. There's no Wikipedia <laughs> on it or anything, or no, no, no it's not. Oh. It's not not there. Um, but you know, of course, when you <laughs> the only the only thing the classic Mexican um, uh, signaling on a in a movie is uh, they'll play mariachi music. And uh, you can tell they're not in Mexico because it doesn't have a uh, deep yellow filter over the, uh, the image. <laughs> that was always the conceit of uh, Breaking Bad, wasn't it? When uh, yeah. whenever they went to Mexico, everything <laughs> turned yellow. So there uh, we have it. Anyway, let's see. Yes. The um, I wonder what happened to the van. I, I, I've always every time I see uh, vehicles in movies, I always wonder. Did somebody own it? Did they just trash it after the movie? It's... I don't. Yeah, because you're right. Because some like nice, good, cool memorabilia gets lost. I think some of the Fast and Furious cars that I went on the tour at Universal, they were like in disrepair. I think Bruce the Shark ended up in some kind of car dealership somewhere in Southern California, falling apart, and then was restored. I think. Or yeah, the uh, the yeah. blue the Blues Brothers machine, uh, the Blues Brothers police car, I think went back and forth between Universal and Peterson. Yeah. Okay. And then yeah, I think yeah, yeah. they, some, or something happened, I may be remembering this wrong, and I'm sure our friends at the Blues Brothers Minute would be able to fill it in better, but yeah. I think the Blues Brothers machine eventually, rather the Blues Brothers car eventually rusted out at Universal, and they had to build a new one and weather it. It so. is strange that they let things fall, fall by the wayside. I was going to say they should have like a car museum of like, you know, famous movie cars, but I bet every like rich collector's probably got one of each in his collection anyway, I'd imagine, because I've seen a car collection in north london somewhere we were filming and this big hangar this guy just collected cars and he had the delorean in there not the real one but obviously but uh, replicas of that the uh ghostbuster the ecto one so yeah i guess there's great replicas everywhere yeah there's <laughs> uh, there's I'm, i've been both universal studios in florida and in california have a uh, back to the future delorean so yeah. one of them is faking or maybe well, I'm, i think I don't one's know in a glass know. case isn't it i think somewhere yeah I think, was that by the transformers ride in some kind of like hallway yeah 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 um but uh you know the good thing about the good thing about any of those vehicles is they can they can create some more of them i know the uh i think the big one the big famous one would be the uh, the chitty chitty bang bang uh, gen 2 yeah. car which if i remember correctly served as the highest paid for movie car ever like wow. purchased at auction um it was in the millions of dollars and some rather large billionaire bought it for his kids because they liked the movie yeah. Oh, it's um, around the same. No, it's around the same time as it's 10 years later, kind of 1991. Maybe it's the Buffalo Bill van from uh, Silence of the Lambs. Ah. <laughs> Don't think there's any windows in that one. There is, so I'll have to check. Wow. Yeah. Free candy inside. Um, the, <laughs> um, I don't know, like, uh, there were actually two Chitty Chitty Bang Bang cars. One had the, uh, <coughs> one had the Wings. flotation device, and the other okay. one, yeah, the yeah, other yeah. one was the land car. Was it Gene um, someone who made it? What's that guy that did the, the, uh, oh, the original 66 uh, Batman? But is it him? It was like movie car guy or the guy that made the car? No, no, different. Um, 1977? Uh, designed by Ken Adam. Ken Adam, okay. Oh, yeah. from Bond. Wow. Yeah, built by yeah, the yeah, yeah. Ford Racing. Oh, it's Ian Fleming, isn't it? Of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, it was built. Uh, I always six, think Roll Doll. <laughs> total of six cars were made, but we're going way off the. Well, we're talking about vehicles, so this is all related it's to both. It's fine. Things. It's related six, to the van. Six. Brought it uh, back and we're off again. Six cars were made. Only two of them were drivable. The majority of the other cars were incomplete and used mostly for stunts. Uh-huh. Uh huh. The only operational car is 
sporting a three liter V6 engine. Oh. Uh, the, let's see, the bonnet was made from polished aluminum, which uh, Americans would call the hood. Uh, the rear, which strongly resembled a boat, was made from cedar that was polished by hands. The dashboard was from a World War I fighter plane. Nice. <laughs> um, wow. And during the auction, the bidding reached $805,000. What year was that? Uh, does not say. What uh, size do you want? Maybe the Bowfinger van is on there. I'm looking at uh, <laughs> somebody named William George wrote this. And uh, it's, uh, oh, they, and apparently they tried to resell it. And the asking price uh, was one to $2 million. It went to $805,000, but failed to, re this is on a resell. I think the first time it yeah. sold, it went for maybe a half a million. Yeah, that's a bit cheeky, trying to double the price and then some though. Yeah, well, Especially if know, it struggles to get to 800. But I guess well, it depends how badly you want a thing with what you're willing to pay for it. So, well, I wonder how much you know. I'm thinking about those Ford versus Ferrari, the the movie used yeah. Uh, Enzios. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, those those have to be going for something. Um, well, maybe they're like resto mods where they put the shell on, they take a fiberglass mold of the original car, and they put a, like a sexy chassis underneath that's you know drills oh, yeah. properly. Yeah. I think you call it's, it resto modding, don't you? When you get like a Dodge Charger shell and you put it on a beautiful new chassis that's not gonna it's gonna well, drive better than an original muscle car, basically. And there's yeah, and there's that uh I, I had never known about this until I started going to car shows. Um there's a thing called rat rotting, which uh you basically take a a, a very well working car and you rust out the outside. I mean you paint on rust oh yes and, uh yeah. you make the car look like a crummy old yeah. heap but inside yeah. it's got a perfectly tuned engine and you can race yeah. anything on the street and it's, it's like the patina isn't it and they kind of put a, 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 a lacquer over it to preserve it they do right, it on yeah. the gas monkey garage don't they you get like uh, yeah. a vintage texture and they like yeah yeah polish and off the rust and then they just put varnish or lacquer on top of it to keep it yeah. Yeah. Just, just, just making making it look shabby, so it's kind of a sleeper, yeah. and uh, you can <laughs> challenge anybody without anybody realizing that they're they're going up your against your gremlin. So, uh, <laughs> wow. Well, we've we've gone we've gone far afield, but uh, that's that's okay. We went right to the border, but we brought it back, Jim. Don't worry. That's right. That's right. We brought it brought it back, ending with a uh, gunfire, <laughs> and uh, I'm not sure exactly who's shooting at them. I was trying to figure that out. I, I would think... imagine the border patrols. No. Yeah, I don't. Th yeah. I don't think they they shoot unarmed. Uh, I didn't think at the time, but it, well, wouldn't they imagine they're like people smugglers or some liaison picking yeah, up yeah, it's the like border, so like coyotes yeah. going after them or something. That's it, yeah. Because um, <laughs> what's the what's the what's the name of it now? The people that uh, like protect the border, uh, the, uh, the border got, patrol. Uh, I think CPB. They uh, got they got like an acronym name. It was used during the Trump administration. Oh, they, 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 I can't remember what they were called though. Whatever. Cut, we'll get um, we'll, well anyway yeah but there I, I don't don't see any here but it, it all is all heightened by sounds and uh and the, and the windmilling arms of the talented yeah. steve martin he's <laughs> he probably knows. deflecting the bullets like one of them yes zoom in yeah zoom in for uh see if he's wearing any bracelets exactly um but it's a uh, it's a good a good solid minute. I I, I really uh, I felt good about this minute and uh, and more to come. And uh, I mean we're gonna we're gonna be introduced to the rest of his crew uh, tomorrow's <laughs> show. Wow. Yes, well, we shall be back when we. Uh, I've got my intro, Jim. Worry not, listeners. You've listened to me twice. It's been a stumbly thing. I've actually got a proper outro going now. Uh, it's in small print though, and I'm in glasses, so I don't do well with small print. As does Jim, I understand. So this might be the, the bugbear of this one, but. 
If you enjoyed the show, you can find the Bowfinger Minutes on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Play, or the main sites at Jim's wonderful site, bowfingerminute.com. And if you fancy it, please subscribe and review the show. Give us a star, give us a review, give us a little hand, heads up, just something to get us, get us in the algorithm, get us more out there so people can find this show and all the other minute shows. Because if you like this show, you can go to the other Movies by Minute podcasts available at moviesbyminute.com and you can check out not only this show, but hundreds of others. I mean, how many are there? We said this the other day, Jim. It was 200. Over, uh, 230, I think we're up to Oh, now. my God. Like every you day. Spend the rest of your life just <laughs> whiling away the hours. You don't want to talk to your wife, put your earpods pods in, go and watch the Back to the Future Minute. Who knows? You might love it. Anyway. It's been a wonderful show, Jim. Thank you so much for uh, having me on. Uh, we shall return tomorrow, which I believe is Thursday. Thursday already. Right. Yes. Yes. On the downhill side. So in the meantime, keep it together. Keep it together. Keep it together. And of course, for tomorrow's show, listeners, without the erection. Thank you. <laughs> keep it together, children. I hope that we'll see you again Cause there's always One more Sure. One more show. Sure.